anyone alive out there? Can anyone hear me? Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Yeah, welcome back to the podcast. This is going to be a unique one because it's just me, it's you, and that's it. Everybody else is on vacation. It's August. I got a blank slate here. The concept of today's episode is I'm going to read to you the most popular highlighted passages in my recent audiobook, and I don't know what they are, so I've left it. Until this moment, I'm going to pull them up while I'm on the podcast. But by the way, if if this is your first time listening to this podcast, this is a show where we believe building a lifestyle business is one of the best ways to create more personal freedom in your life. And that's important because I just pulled up this New York Times article that says $100 million was once big for a startup. Now it's, quote, common. This is insane. One of the things when we had David Hannemeyer Hansen on this program, founder of 37 Signals, one of his statements was, look, it's like exponentially harder to grow a $300 million business than it is to grow a $3 million business. And part of the problem with this whole quote entrepreneurial infrastructure that's pushing people to grow these big businesses is that you're pushing them to failure, right? Like who listening to this program right now doesn't want a $3 million business? Part of the reason I love doing this show is this whole ecosystem that's like built up by the media is built up by the people who are getting those sorts of valuations and those sorts of investments. It's such a small crowd and they need to publicize themselves. They're incentivized to do so because they depend on it. They depend on our money and our attention to build those sorts of valuations. Meanwhile, the people that are making $3 million a year, nobody writes about them. Nobody says anything. Yet, what a fantastic outcome for them. So anyway, that's what this podcast is about. It's about pushing back on all that bull and saying like, we've met thousands of people. There are thousands of listeners of this podcast that make a fantastic living from their laptops. They have employees. They have families. They're building things that are meaningful to them and to society, and it's not showing up in the freaking New York Times. So welcome to the Tropical MBA podcast. It's good to have you. Rant over. talk about August and how it's the armpit of the year. Again, we're going to get on to the power of audio content and the most popular passages in my recent book, Before the Exit. I'm going to play them for you today, but still some more things I want to talk about. The first is August and why it can be kind of a bummer for entrepreneurs. Things slow down. Everybody slows down. People are out of the office. There's this fantastic article over on ribbonfarm.com. I wanted to read you A passage from it really made me laugh. So here it is. I'll quote it. Through the end of July, which vaguely sounds like June, and so vaguely feels like you're still in the first half of the year with a shot at salvaging something, you're basically fine. Armpit 
or August is when you realize it's too late but can't do anything about it. In September, you can formally write off the year as deadweight loss booked in Q4. Reset your horizons and start thinking about the next year or seven. But for the 31 days of armpit, if you have a brain, you're in that sweaty, muggy, hopeless, newsless, a temporal state of mild to medium existential despair that is not even severe enough to justify active intervention, like airplane food that is just short of bad enough to complain about, where eating it versus going hungry seem like equally bad options. You kind of just have to get through it. It won't be good no matter how you decide. Check it out at ribbonfarm.com. This is an article called Armpit Futures, but it resonated with me because it's been true in my case that August is sort of that month where you have to get real about what you're going to accomplish in your business that year. And like September is sort of like when you snap back to it. So if you're having a down August, I want to offer a gift to one listener of this program. One of the most common questions I have received this year is about DCBKK. Now, we host events all across the world. In fact, as you're listening to this, there's one going on in Prague. Next month, there's one in Lisbon. We have one in Bangkok in October, Hong Kong, Tokyo throughout the rest of the year. About 14 events throughout 2018. But the one that is most popular is the October event in Bangkok called DCBKK. These events are for DC members only. That means you got to go to Tropical MBA, you got to read about the Dynamite Circle, and you have to apply, and you have to qualify, and you have to pay. There's a lot of hurdles to jump. But today on this show, I want to offer a free ticket. It's expensive. I'm going to offer, and this is a premium event. This is a five-day event. It's serious stuff. It can change people's lives. It does. Like That's how we design this thing. I know there's a lot of listeners that want to come, but they don't yet qualify from a revenue perspective to join the DC. So on behalf of Dynamite Circle members, I want to invite one person to join the hundreds of entrepreneurs that are going to be in Bangkok in October. Here's what you got to do. You got to send me an email. My email address is dan at tropical MBA. Please do not be mad if I can't get back to you, okay? Send me a 250-word email telling me about your business. You have to have a revenue stream, okay? It doesn't have to be big, but you have to have a revenue stream, something that you can talk about with our community. People don't want to talk to people who are thinking about maybe doing something someday, okay? So if you don't yet have a revenue stream, this isn't for you. It's also not for you if you can't come to Bangkok, and I'm just going to pull up the calendar here, about the 18th to the 21st, okay? That's when this event's going down. You can come in the 17th as well. So again, not for you if you don't have a revenue stream, not for you if you can't come to Bangkok on your own dime. But if you can do those things and you can send me a 250-word email on September 1st, and the subject line should be DCBKK pitch. I'm going to go into my email inbox on September 1st, and I am going to choose the best well-crafted 250-word paragraph or multiple paragraphs. I'm going to pay personally for a free ticket for one listener of this show. Otherwise, the event is solely for members of the Dynamite Circle. Sound good? Cool. The way I'm going to select the winner is the person who demonstrates 
in their writing and through like a link to their business that they are going to be a contributor to the community and that they think that they can get a lot out of the experience of meeting hundreds of other people that are in the same boat as them. You understand the entrepreneurial community and that you feel being a part of it could sort of change things for you. One ticket, the only public ticket, I'll pay for it on behalf of the membership reaching out to a listener of this show to bring somebody that's bright, somebody with talent and potential to the event. And uh, I'd love to meet you. Today's show is sponsored by Noviland. If you've ever run a product-based business, you know that sourcing from overseas is frustrating from beginning to end. There's communication breakdowns, lack of reliability, quality control, and the list goes on and on. Noviland has come up with a solution to all that. They're a US-based, free-to-use e-procurement platform with a wide network of over 2,000 custom manufacturers overseas. They can help you to get factory pricing on a wide array of products quickly and easily. With Noviland, your only point of contact is a US-based account manager who is there to help you solve your concerns. Once you create your free account with Noviland.com, they will take you over the entire sourcing process. Noviland handles everything from finding you the right manufacturer to getting you the best price. They provide samples, sort out logistics, and then keep you up to date on how the order is progressing. To get started, visit Noviland.com now. It takes just five minutes to set up a free account and submit a request for a quote. Then the operations team in China will get to work finding the perfect factory for your product. Check it out today. Use the promo code TMBA20 to get a $20 credit added to your account. And a big thanks to Noviland for sponsoring this week's show. So today, what I want to talk about is my experience recording an audiobook. My audio, <laughs> this is what happens like when everybody's on vacation. Ian's on vacation. Jane, producer Jane is giving me a blank slate. So what do I want to talk about? I want to talk about my book before the exit. And how cool it is that so many of you have read it, you've reviewed it, you've started important discussions with me via email. It's a really rewarding experience to talk to somebody who's read your book because it's like you've known each other for a while and they're sort of invested in the ideas. And it's been a pretty amazing experience. And I've written a lot in the past, but this was the first time I've ever created an audiobook. So what I want to do is I want to start by talking about the process of recording it. I want to share with you the most popular sections of the book. We're going to play them for you today, and we're going to talk about, I don't know, what the response or what my thoughts are about those sections. And at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about audiobooks in general and, and what's changing in the publishing space. So I'll tell you a little about my experience recording this book. I actually did it in my parents' spare bedroom in central Pennsylvania in America, and I used my mobile podcast recording studio. Now, if you haven't yet heard about this, if you're interested in creating audio content, I wrote this article a while ago that we'll link up to. So basically, I was sitting in my parents' bedroom in Pennsylvania with this Zoom recorder, which looks like an old like sort of video game handheld set. And you plug in these SM58s, the Shure SM58. If you're a musician, you know what this microphone is because it's like the workhorse. Everybody knows what this microphone is. If you've ever watched a stand-up comedy special on television, it's the mic that the comedian is holding. And what I learned is that recording an audiobook is 
the gymnastics of it, like your actual mouth moving is the hardest part. But the strangest thing for me was that when you're talking, you don't really have to think about how you pronounce things. And I'll tell you the example is all of a sudden I'm reading the book with my business partner, Ian. Wait, what's his last name? Is it Shone or is it Shown? So I literally had to call him and run it by him. <laughs> I don't want to get that one wrong. <laughs> it's just funny. Like for me, like I had never really thought about the precise way to pronounce Ian's name. And for me, it was just so much fun to get into the audiobook game. Audible, audible.com is how I consume audiobooks. It's the product that I pay for that I would be willing to pay like many multiples more. Like if Audible came to me and was like, hey, things changed. We got to charge you guys like $150 a month. I think I would still pay it because I, I got to have my Audible. And this is an enormous trend that's happening right now. Authors are making more money from putting their books on Audible. In the demographic of this show, their reading habits are changing to audio. So it's an interesting opportunity for you and your brand and your business to put content in audio form. Seth Godin, a few months ago, was on this program. I asked him why he's not writing books, and he said because his audience wants to hear audio. And this is happening across a lot of famous authors, and we're going to get to that in a second. But first, what I want to do is take a look at the most popular passages in Before the Exit, Thought Experiments for Entrepreneurs. If you haven't yet listened to my audiobook, go do it. It's not a cheap ploy. I didn't write this book to be like a cheap business card. It's serious. I, I went and I wanted to share our experience of exiting our business and what I think all entrepreneurs can take from the stories that I heard before and after doing this. Like I say in the book, like everyone's headed for an exit. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm cracking open my Kindle. So I'm going to start with location 425. This is fun. I have no idea what's going to be selected. Here we go. See, businesses create cash flows, which behave differently than cash piles. Cash flows are adaptable. You can dump gasoline into them and watch them create more energy. Cash piles just sit there and get exposed to the elements. Cash piles are vulnerable to so many things. Professional services, financial advisors, your cousin who has a startup idea, taxes, and so on. It's funny, like I have no idea what was going to be popular. So what is this idea? To me, there's a broader concept that we talk a lot about on this show, which is essentially that not all money is created equal. That the relative value of money is so, so important to so many of the decisions that we make in a business context, for sure. For example, you know, you could think about like the velocity of a transaction or how much money you have to invest in order to get money in return. But from a lifestyle perspective, one of the biggest turning points in my life was when I realized that I would rather make, say, $40,000 a year from a location-independent business that I owned than $150,000 a year from a job that gave me two or three weeks of vacation that required me to go to an office. In the book, we're talking about cash flows and cash piles, whatever. But the idea is that not every dollar is equal. That was one of the thought experiments, this idea of relative wealth, like making 40 grand from my own business 
was just that cash flow was so much more valuable than the extra money I would be paid to have to go to a job. And that was one of the breakthroughs for me. Like when I did that math and saw that on paper, I was like, what am I doing in my job? Let's read the next one, the uh, dirty little secret. As Ian recalls, a few years before the sale, we were, quote, making a decent amount of money and starting to ask what the next step might be. Is it bringing this thing to 10 million? Is it selling it? And somehow, sell it became the only possibility we recognized as a clear and achievable step. In hindsight, of course, there were many possible alternatives. If our muddled thinking resonates with you, ask yourself, do you know how to challenge yourself in your business? Can you see a path to the next level? If not, what would you need to do to gain that clarity? You don't need to be selling a business to resonate with this idea that sometimes if you're bored, if you're feeling frustrated with the challenges in front of you that your business or your life is putting in front of you, sometimes like boredom is a mask for incompetence. If you're not excited by the position you're in, it's possible that actually you're just incompetent, that you don't see the types of things you could be doing. So I'll give an example in my case. The challenge in front of us was to get our business to that next level, and that was the eight-figure level. So we were a seven-figure business. Well, the sorts of things that you need to do to run an eight-figure business are pretty different than the things you're doing down at seven figures. But I was sort of like bored about the things I was doing at the seven-figure level, like making sales calls or going to trade shows, things like that. And so I thought, well, I don't want to do more of those things. You know, a lot of people that run eight-figure businesses would easily say to me, look, dude, like you're not going to get to eight figures by doing seven-figure stuff. But the reality was I just didn't know what to do. There's a whole chapter in the book about sort of like ways in which you can get more honest with yourself and why that can be difficult in a business context. This is crazy. It's so crazy to see you guys highlighting this stuff. I'm so glad I wrote this book. It's super fun. Okay. Why didn't our broker protect us from Deals Dimitri? We told the story of Deals Dimitri on this podcast. It's worth telling again the point. When brokers talk to prospective buyers, they aren't talking to your customers. They're talking to theirs. Deals Dimitri might not be a great guy for us, but as somebody who's bought 26 businesses, he's a great contact for the broker. If we were organizing the sale again, ideally we'd ensure that all potential buyers were competing. That's business 101, but most brokers can't afford to do that. Buyers are their clients, and they want brokers to present them deals on a regular basis. The point, as long as you're cognizant of these things, you can have an open conversation. Look, our broker wasn't hoodwinking us. He was an honest guy. But the pitfalls are obvious. Never ask a doctor what you should do. Ask him what he would do if he were in your place. So it's so easy when someone's a professional or like in this case, a doctor, they're in a white jacket. You know, you think of them as like as if they're the experts. Like they know the right thing to do. They're professionals, right? Well, the point I'm trying to make in the book is that they know good things to do and like they know professional things to do, but they don't know the best thing to do for you. Like that's on you. And so don't get swayed by their position as authorities. And in my case, I naively believed that the way that they explained to us 
like how to sell a business was the way to sell a business. That's just not true. Like what they explained to me, it turns out was actually how to sell a business in their context. Like that works for them. The principle here is, you know, watch their feet, not their mouth. This is the principle with podcasts, with bloggers, with Facebook screeners, with anybody. It's like, ask yourself, what is their motivation? What is putting food on their table? What are they actually doing here? Because in this world where everybody can publish and everybody's out there, it's back to the beginning of the New York Times. Like, Does the journalist actually care about the startup world? Does the journalist understand startups? Or do they instead want to write a piece that will be read and enjoyed by people who read and enjoy newspapers. Looking to the true motivations of why people are doing things and taking that into mind when you're making decisions that are critical in your future. And we never really step back and say, wait a second, like they're just a human. Like what is motivating them? Deals Dimitri is the guy that we almost lost a million dollars to. So you got to pick up the audiobook before the exit, Thought Experiments for Entrepreneurs. If you want to hear that story, thanks to so many of you have read the book and highlighted passages. It's amazing to receive emails and comments from you guys about the book. For me, it was an amazing experience. I want to mention a few things I've been reading about audiobooks. There's an article a few weeks ago. It's called For Your Ears Only, and it's by Francesca Angelini. One of the trends that's happening, and it might be worth thinking about in your business context, is how much people are migrating thanks to you know podcasts being in cars, the applications on which you can download podcasts are getting better. You remember, like, for those of you who are like old school listeners of this podcast, back in 2009, you had to have like a MacGyver set up to listen to podcasts, you know? Nowadays, I switched over to Android recently, by the way. I'll mention that on the show in case anybody has any insights into that. I'm loving the Android platform, actually. I feared it for a long time. I use this app. It's called Podcast Addict. It's just like so much better than anything I've ever had. Certainly better than iTunes. Yeah, let me just quote a few of the things that uh, Francesca Angelini has written. The first thing she notes is that the audiobook market is exploding. In the UK, publishers' revenue from audio rose from 12 million pounds in 2013 to 31 million pounds in 2017. In America, it is estimated that 44% of people have listened to an audiobook. So what's happening, essentially, is that print sales are plummeting. Ebook sales are plummeting. This is something that I'm hearing murmurs of amongst the digital publishers in the audience. But meanwhile, audiobooks are soaring, specifically in the demographic of middle-aged males. This is like a, a highly sought-after demographic by businesses. Many writers, and I'm back to quoting the piece here, are bypassing print and going straight to audio. Michael Lewis, one of the most successful contemporary nonfiction authors, and I'll go off the script here to say that Michael Lewis is one of my favorite authors of all time, with books such as Moneyball and the Big Short, has said goodbye to his usual 
magazine outlet, Vanity Fair, and is writing four essays for Audible this year. And she goes on to list a bunch of famous authors. They include Margaret Atwood, Andrew Motion, and Sophie Hanna. You could kind of see this happening in cinema too. Like a lot of the talent that used to do movies is, it's obvious to me, they're doing TV now because of Netflix. And it, it does seem like this platform of Audible, of podcasts, is transferring a lot of storytelling talent to the audio form where it started in the first place. That's how stories were originally shared. This episode, I hope you liked it. Give me a comment. Give me an email if you want to come to DCBKK. I'd love to give you that free ticket. This is what happens when the boss is out of the office. I just talk about whatever. It's August. It's armpit anyway. Your standards probably aren't that high. You're probably not even listening to this. You're probably taking a month off yourself. I wish you the best in coming back to the office in September and snapping back to those goals that you set out for yourself early in this year about how you're going to move your business forward, how you're going to change your life. In my life, I'm on a deadline, actually. In 20 minutes, I'm getting on a train to go to the Pyrenees, the mountain range that sits in between France and Spain, and they're famous for being the battleground of the Tour de France, the steep mountains where you send the best cyclists in the world and you say, fight, have at it, guys. Me and my cycling club, I've arranged this trip and we're going there for the whole weekend and we're going to enjoy the beautiful climbs of the Pyrenees, probably be taking some pictures. I'll probably gram it. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, check out what for me is like a total dream experience as a cyclist. But I know that when I get back on Tuesday, it's all business. All these events we have coming up as well. It's exciting. I'll be seeing a lot of you in Bangkok, maybe in Tokyo. There's a lot, lot going on this year. Thanks for continuing to listen to the pod. Thanks for reading the book and for all your comments and feedback. I'm working on another one now because writing the first one was just such a fantastic experience. The next book's topic is The Thousand Day Principle, which is based on a blog post we've done many years ago, a concept we've talked about on the show many, many times. And if you have any thoughts or insights into The Thousand Day Principle, go ahead and email them to me as well because maybe they'll find their way into the book itself. That's it. Next week, Boss Man will be back and we will have a grown-up, proper, not armpit podcast for you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard.